Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we can spend reading your word together and trying to understand what it says. Lord, we pray that you may give us wisdom, particularly give me wisdom as I preach. We pray that I may say what is true and in accordance with your word. And Lord, we pray that the people who are gathered here this morning may be built up in the faith. We pray that they may go from here encouraged to serve you all the more faithfully as a result of hearing from your word. And Lord, we do also pray if there are any unbelievers here this morning, we pray that they may be encouraged to seek you while you may be found. And may they put their trust in Jesus Christ for the first time here this morning and be welcomed by us into the family of brothers and sisters in Christ. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you heed warnings on packets that come, things that you purchase, they have warning labels, they have warnings in the manuals that come with them. I like to look at the warnings. I always read manuals before I actually use something. I have a quick flick through. I mean, I'm a bit of a speed reader, so it doesn't take me that long. And often manuals, uh, they're very thick, but that's because the first five pages are English, and then the next hundred pages are different languages translating those first five pages. But I always look at warnings, and I recently bought a lawnmower, and so I read the manual for the lawnmower, and the lawnmower had lots of warnings. Apparently, it's quite a dangerous object uh, and can cause a lot of harm. And one warning in particular said, engines give off carbon monoxide, an odourless, colourless poison gas. Breathing carbon monoxide can cause nausea, fainting, or death. A very serious thing can be caused by a lawnmower. And so the warning is there in the manual so that you're aware of this potential hazard of carbon monoxide causing either nausea, fainting, or even death. Do you read warnings or do you ignore them? This morning we're going to look at a warning given in God's word. It's a warning and it's given, it's given with a sign to prove that it is indeed a true warning, that it is true. Because people give lots of warnings all the time and some of them are false. And so we often question, is it actually true? And that may be why we often ignore warnings, because we think, ah, oh, it's, it's not going to happen to me. And so this morning we see a warning in God's word and a sign is given to authenticate that warning that it is indeed true. And this warning is given in particular to the king of Judah, King Ahaz. So I encourage you to open up your Bibles to uh, page 681, Isaiah chapter 7, and we'll be looking at verses uh, 14 through to verse 17, where we get a warning from God to King Ahaz. We've been looking at this chapter for a while now, and we've been progressively working through it, and we've seen that Ahaz is king of Judah, but in the meantime, there's some other kings around. He's not the only king of the world. There's an Israelite king, there's a king of Aram, and then there's a king of Assyria who's much further up, and he's a threat to everyone. Everybody's scared of the Assyrian king. And so the Israelite king and the Aramean king have combined forces and are coming to attack the king of Judah, Ahaz, because he looks like he's going to start siding with Assyria. And so they want to take him out. And so we've seen uh, that he's quite worried about that, and so he's starting to make preparations, and Isaiah goes to him and says, look, don't worry about those two kings that are coming to get you. They're going to be gone. And he even gives Ahaz the opportunity to request a sign, 
a miraculous sign to prove that God's word is true, that those two kings are going to be knocked out within a few years. And last week, well, no, the week before, I didn't preach last week, the week before that we saw that Ahaz refused that sign. And God got very angry. Well, Isaiah got angry on behalf of God. Uh, We see that in verse 13. Well, I'll read from verse 12 where we see Ahaz reject the sign. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, I will not put the Lord to the test. And so what does Isaiah then say? Verse 13. Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David, is it not enough to try the patience of men? Will you try the patience of my God also? You're trying God's patience here. You should accept signs when they're offered. You should not say, I will not put the Lord my God to my test because this shows that you don't believe in God and that you don't want evidence because it means you might have to change your ways. And so Isaiah says that and then he gives a sign regardless. God offers a sign to Ahaz and gives him a warning with it. And so we read in verse 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. A sign is given. What is that sign? A virgin will be with child, and will give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. And then it continues, speaking about that son. He will eat curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. But before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid waste. So those two kings that he's worried about will be laid waste. Already had that told to him. Now, verse 17, a warning comes with it. The Lord will bring on you and on your people and on the house of your father a time unlike any since Ephraim broke away from Judah. He will bring the king of Assyria. A warning is given to Ahaz here that the king of Assyria is going to come and get you. And what makes that true? Well, the sign that Isaiah has offered. What is that sign? Well... It's the boy born to a virgin. And that's what we're going to look at this morning primarily is this sign and whether this sign is true and who is this sign? Who is this son that is born to a virgin? Well, most of you in the room will automatically jump to the conclusion, particularly if you've been singing the last two songs, we sang Christmas carols in February, which is a very surprising thing to do. Um, It's Jesus. Most people automatically jump to that conclusion that the boy that will be born to a virgin is Jesus. And Matthew 1 makes that clear. We've already read that as well. We read from Matthew chapter 1 where Matthew says that Jesus' birth to the Virgin Mary is a fulfillment of the prophecy here in Isaiah chapter 7. But could it be someone else? Could this son born to a virgin be someone else? Well, that's my first main point this morning. I'm asking the question, is the sign someone other than Jesus? If you've got a bulletin there, you can see on the back, I've got my main points. And the first one, is the sign someone other than Jesus? We automatically jump to that conclusion, but is that necessarily true? Some believe that it is someone other than Jesus. Some theologians, some Christian theologians, godly people, they think that it is someone as well as Jesus. And the main reason that they think this is because when was Jesus born? Hundreds of years after Ahaz had died. So how much of it is a sign for Ahaz to say that these kings will be laid waste, a Syrian army will come, and it will all happen before Jesus knows right 
from wrong. It's not much of a sign for a Haz. So they say, well, it must be somebody else. You might think, oh, well, how can it be somebody else when it's meant to be a person born from a virgin? Surely that locks it in as Jesus. Because we only know of one virgin ever getting pregnant in history, and that has to be Mary. So how do they get around that? Well, they say, at the time that Isaiah spoke, the girl was a virgin, but then she got pregnant subsequently, after Isaiah spoke. And it's true that the word virgin here doesn't necessarily mean virgin. It's not a technical word for virgin. It's about as close as the Hebrew language comes. There is another word that's probably closer, but it can just mean a young maiden, a young girl. And so they say what Isaiah is saying here is a young girl will get pregnant and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And so that sign is then fulfilled in someone at the time of Ahaz and Isaiah. Who is the, the boy, do they say? Well, they suggest it may be Hezekiah, which is Ahaz's son, another king of Judah, or it may be uh, one of Isaiah's sons. He's already had a son uh, mentioned in chapter 7, and we'll see more sons as we continue through the book of Isaiah, that Isaiah had a couple of kids, a couple of sons, and so they suggest that it's one of those. But where does that leave Jesus then? If it's meant to be a son at the time of Isaiah, where's Jesus fit into this picture? We've read from Matthew that Jesus is the fulfilment of this prophecy. Well, they suggest that it can be both, that it can be both a son at the time of Isaiah and then Jesus as well. The prophecy has two shades of meaning. Is that possible with prophecy? Well, yes, in the Old Testament, some prophecies are given and there's a current fulfillment at the time and then there's a future fulfillment that happens later. Now, a classic example is where it talks about the day of the Lord in the Old Testament. A day of the Lord is coming and disaster is coming on Israel. And that can mean the current disaster that comes as armies come and destroy Israel and Judah, but also references to the day of the Lord that is yet to come, the judgment of all mankind. And so there's a current meaning of the day of the Lord and then a future meaning of the day of the Lord. And so they're saying there's a current meaning of the virgin will be with child, one of uh, the royal household kids or one of the prophet's kids, and then there's a future meaning of Jesus, current, future. And so that's how they say that it's not just Jesus who's spoken here about it is a son that is born at the time of Ahaz, and so then that is a sign for Ahaz, rather than Jesus being born hundreds of years later and being of no relevance to Ahaz then, because, of course, it's not much of a miracle for him when he's already dead. So that's how people come to this conclusion that the virgin being with child is not simply Jesus, but it's Jesus and somebody else. Now, is this the best view of this passage? that it's both Jesus and someone else. Well, I think we can have the view that it's only Jesus. And that's my second main point this morning. Is the sign only Jesus? Is this sign that is given to authenticate the judgment that is coming only Jesus? I think it is, for a couple of reasons, that it refers only to Jesus. I'm uh, in a bit more of a conservative camp when it comes to the commentaries in this regard. There are many commentators that I do respect their opinion of and they think it's got a twofold, uh, two prongs to this prophecy. 
But I think that we can restrict it to Jesus for a few reasons. One is that Matthew makes a strong case for it being Jesus. The best commentary on scripture is scripture. If you want to understand a difficult part of the Bible, you should look at what the rest of the Bible says about that part of the Bible. And what does the rest of the Bible say about this prophecy that's given about a virgin being with child? It says it's Jesus. And Matthew was a Jew. He would have known the current understanding of this prophecy. And Jews in the first century did believe that the sign was fulfilled in the time of Ahaz. And Jews today, if you speak to them, will say that it wasn't Jesus, it was one of Ahaz's children. Matthew would have known that, and he makes no mention of the fact that it's somebody else. He simply says, it's Jesus. When Jesus is born, he fulfills this prophecy in the Old Testament. So that's my first reason, that's my big one, is Matthew. Second reason is, a young girl getting pregnant isn't much of a sign, if it happens in the normal way. So they say, well, this girl was pregnant at the time of Isaiah, then she gets pregnant because... Either Ahaz or Isaiah has relationship with, his, uh, with their wife, and so this child is born. Is that much of a sign? Is it much of a miraculous sign? Is there a place for this to be a miraculous sign here? Because we can't have children that are a sign. We'll see some of Isaiah's children are signs in chapter 8. But is it a miraculous sign that we're looking for here? Yes, it is, I think. Because what has... Isaiah just said to Ahaz that he can have as a sign. What did he say back in verse 10 and 11? Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. You can have anything from heaven to earth. Whatever miracle you want. And then Isaiah is expected to turn around and say, okay, you don't want a sign, well, I'll give you a sign. A young girl's going to get pregnant and call the child Emmanuel. Is that much of a sign? Is that much of a miracle? To me, it doesn't seem that miraculous at all. Young girls get pregnant all the time. But if it's a young girl who is a virgin getting pregnant, then it truly is a miracle. It truly shows God's hand that he is giving a miraculous sign to God's people that the judgment that is coming is indeed a true judgment. Another reason why I think it's just Jesus is because of the name given to the child. What is the name of the child? Verse 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. How good's your Hebrew? What does Emmanuel mean? Well, thankfully most translations recognise that you aren't a Hebrew scholar and give you a little footnote. And if you've got an NIV there, you can see the little footnote F. You drop down to the margin, and what does it say? Means God with us. And that is drawn out by Matthew, that Jesus is God. When he is born, he is Emmanuel, he is God among men. He is God with us, humans. This is no ordinary child. He's born of a virgin, which is a pretty big miracle to begin with, but then he is God incarnate. He is God with us on earth. And so that's another reason that I think it's not one of Ahaz's children or uh, one of Isaiah's children. I think it is a miraculous child that's coming into the world who is God with us. 
Another reason I think that it uh, is Jesus is because he does indeed fit with the prophecy um, for being a sign. Uh, the, the sign is meant to be that this child, before it grows up, all these events will happen. Judgment will come upon our hearts. Judgment will come upon Israel and Aram. And that happens. Before Jesus grows up, yes, it is a couple hundred years later, but before Jesus grows up, these things have indeed happened. And so Jesus does fulfill this prophecy. There is no lie here. Jesus, before he grew up, before he knew enough to reject wrong and choose right, these things had happened. This judgment has indeed come. And then, lastly... I think it's Jesus because it's a problem for the son to be Isaiah's or Ahaz's son. Isaiah's already got a son here, which then makes it rather difficult for his wife to be a young maiden or to be a virgin, if that's what we're going to take the text as meaning. We've already seen earlier in chapter 7 when, we, when I preached on this previously. He takes his son with him. Back in verse 3, Then the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out you and your son Shear Jashub. He takes the son. So he's clearly, or it can't be Isaiah's son. And Hezekiah, as the proposal for Ahaz's son to be this child that's a sign, is difficult as well because probably Hezekiah is already born at this stage. And Ahaz has already other children. And so it's unlikely that you could describe his wife as a virgin either. But what about the reason that Jesus can't be a sign for Ahaz? because he's so far on from a heart's. Remember, that's one of the main reasons that people go for two children, is because he can't be much of a sign for a heart's. Well, in response to that, I say that prophecies are often given about messiahs in the, in the Messiah in the Old Testament long before Jesus is born and fulfills those signs. So even back in Genesis given to Adam and Eve, is a promise, a prophecy, that a son will come and crush Satan's head with his heel. Did Adam and Eve see that happen? No. They're long dead before Jesus comes out. If Ahaz is dead by the time Jesus shows up, then Adam and Eve are really gone. We see other prophecies about the Messiah. Moses is given a prophecy that a prophet, the prophet, will be raised up in Deuteronomy 18. We see David is given a prophecy that... One of his sons will sit on the throne. He's given a prophecy about a Messiah coming. And even predictions about things that don't concern the Messiah sometimes are given hundreds of years before they happen. Remember Jeroboam and his sin of creating altars that shouldn't be there for God? A prophecy is given by a prophet and says, a king, a guy called Josiah is going to show up and one day break this altar down hundreds of years before Josiah showed up Jeroboam had that prophecy he was told Josiah's coming Josiah came a lot later on but it was still a sign to Jeroboam also we shouldn't just restrict this sign to Ahaz it's interesting we don't get it in the English language unfortunately but this prophecy is not just given to Ahaz, even in the text. Look at verse 14. It says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Now, problem with the English language is we don't have singular you and plural you. 
We have use, which is slang and shouldn't be used, or someone at our church actually says usins, I think, which is short for use ones, you ones, or the Americans will say y'all, but we don't have a plural you. But this is a plural you in the Hebrew language. The Hebrew language is better than English in that it has a plural you. And you can see that the, uh, the translators thought it was important that you should know that by the little letter D in the NIV text, you drop down and what does it say? The Hebrew is plural here. So it's not just for ahas. It's for lots of people, this sign, that a virgin will be with child. And so we shouldn't say that just because Ahaz didn't see this sign doesn't mean it's not Jesus. And it also makes sense to me that Ahaz wouldn't necessarily see this sign because of the way he has just behaved. God offered Ahaz a sign. He could have asked for a virgin to have a child in his time. And God could have done it. But Ahaz said, what? I will not test the Lord. And so it makes sense to me, I don't know if it makes sense to you, that God would deprive him of seeing the sign. He was arrogant enough to reject the sign. God says, I'm going to give a sign to all people who will hear this prophecy, to all of Yuzans, y'all. I'm going to give a sign, but Ahaz, you aren't going to see it. And I think that makes sense. He didn't have the privilege of seeing the sign because he rejected having a sign. And so it doesn't surprise me if he doesn't get to see it. So, this is a bit of an interesting sermon. I was unsure about how it would go down. I hope you've been following here. Uh, so we either have the sign is Jesus alone or Jesus and another son, another child. I think it's Jesus but you will come across people, particularly if you have contact with Jews, who say that it would be, was fulfilled in the time of Ahaz. And this is where you've got to be aware of these things. But in the end, most people will admit that it's Jesus, even all Christians. Some of them seem to act like Matthew 1 was never written, but most of them, if you push them, will say, yes, of course, Jesus fulfills this prophecy. And that means that When God gives this judgment here that the king of Assyria is coming and gives a sign, it shows that God's word is indeed true. Even if you hold to its two people, or if you just hold to its one, in the end you recognise that God's word is true when he gives this prophecy of judgment and gives a sign to prove it. Before Jesus grew up, what happened? Those two kings were laid waste. And the king of Assyria did come and hurt Judah. God's word is indeed true about this judgment. So what can you learn from this passage then? Well, that brings me to my third point this morning. Pay attention to God's signs that authenticate promised judgment. Pay attention to God's signs that authenticate promised judgment. God predicted future judgment, warned Ahaz about it, and gave a sign that the prediction was true. What should have Ahaz done? He should have listened and realised that God could give that sign and that judgment was coming. And God still warns of future judgments today and gives you signs that those warnings are true. 
God has predicted that he is bringing a judgment on you and all people on the earth, a judgment in the future, a judgment known not to man in the past, a judgment that no man has ever seen before. It's interesting the way Isaiah describes the judgment that's coming in verse 17. He says, The Lord will bring on you and on your people and on the house of your father a time unlike any since Ephraim broke away from Judah. No one else has seen this kind of judgment in the past. No one has seen the Assyrian army in all its wrath come. God is saying the same today. He's saying a judgment is coming that neither you nor your fathers have ever seen before. And he's bringing much worse than the king of Assyria. Who is he bringing? He's bringing Jesus Christ and the heavenly hosts, much more formidable army than the Assyrian army. There's a warning in Scripture that judgment is coming. And God gives us a sign to prove that that warning is true. Just as I said before, lots of people give lots of warnings. How do you know they're true? How do you know that that warning is true? Well, we see when Jesus was here on earth and gave that prediction in the New Testament that a judgment is coming, he did lots of signs, miracles, to prove that his word was true. What sort of signs? Well, he healed people, he did exorcisms, he did things with nature that no one has been able to do before, calming storms. And then he did a miracle greater than even the miracle of the virgin birth. The virgin birth is bringing something living out of something alive. Mary was alive and here we have an alive person come out of her. What does Jesus do? He brings something living out of something dead. He died on the cross a true death. Read the crucifixion account. See a soldier spear his side proving he is dead. And then what did Jesus do? He brought himself back to life. That is a sign. That is a sign that proves that the judgment is coming. And that's what the Apostle Paul tells us in Acts chapter 17. Flip over to Acts chapter 17 to see the importance of the resurrection to the judgment. Acts chapter 17, one of the classic passages in the Bible, uh, particularly in our day as we debate with people. Acts chapter 17... Paul goes to Athens, he goes to a few places in 17, but he goes to Athens and he's there speaking to these learned people, these Greek philosophers who love sitting around and discussing nothing but the latest ideas. And what does he tell them? He tells them about a judgment coming. Verse, I'll read from verse 30. In the past God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. And then in verse 31, page 1098, 1098 of the Black Church Bibles, Acts chapter 17, verse 31, what does Paul say? For he, that is God, has set a day, judgment day, when he will judge the world with justice by the man, Jesus, he, that's God, has appointed. Now how do you know that that judgment's coming true? What does Paul say next? He has given proof of this to all men by raising him... Jesus from the dead. How do you know the judgment's coming? Jesus came back to life. That's proof that you can hang your soul on, that you can know that you're saved from. 
that the judgment is indeed true and it's coming. And you can respond to this. What are the responses there in Acts chapter 17, verse 32? When they heard about the resurrection from the dead, of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. What's your response? Two responses here in the passage. Are you going to sneer at the resurrection of the dead? The sign that authenticates the judgment of God is coming? You're going to say, oh, resurrection of the dead, not true. Or are you going to be like others that want to hear more on this subject? I beg of you that that is you. Hear more on this subject. Hear more about the resurrection of the dead. Investigate it. Read the New Testament. Read books about the reliability of the New Testament, how reliable it is as a historical document. It's amazing what we have in the New Testament considering its age. Historical documents don't get handed down to us like the New Testament has been. It is a reliable document about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that sign of the resurrection is a sign that God's judgment is coming. And thankfully, God tells us about the judgment, gives us a sign, and then tells us how to avoid the judgment. Because how would it be if you received a warning and you weren't told how to avoid that terrible thing that is coming? And so my lawnmower manual, when you read about carbon monoxide and how it can kill you, it then says, right after that warning, start and run engine outdoors. It gives you a tip. You don't want to get nausea. You don't want to faint. You don't want to die. Well, run engine outdoors. So if you want to mow the grass inside the house, you're going to have to get a different tool. Run this one outdoors. And God, when he warns us about the judgment to come, doesn't leave us hanging. He tells us how to escape that judgment. How? Repent of your sin and believe Jesus Christ died for you. That's how you escape that judgment. I encourage you this morning, look at the resurrection, see whether it's true, and then follow from the resurrection to the truth that the judgment is coming, and then Hear the way to escape that judgment, repentance and faith. Repent of your sins and believe that Jesus Christ died for you, that him at the cross took your sin upon his shoulders and his righteousness was transferred over to your shoulders. An amazing truth that God gives us so that instead of being judged for eternally in hell, we go into eternal paradise with Jesus Christ. So do you recognise this morning that the virgin birth of Jesus proves God's word about judgments? That he's proven his judgments are true in the past and they came about. Ahaz did suffer at the hands of the Assyrians. And do you recognise that even greater sign of the resurrection proves God's word about the final judgment to come? And have you repented and believed in Jesus Christ to avoid that judgment? I encourage you, if you haven't, please do. Let's speak with our God. Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for your word. We thank you for how it shows us that you have prophesied in the past 
and given signs that those prophecies are true and then those prophecies were fulfilled. The signs came authenticating your word. And we thank you that you have given us future prophecies, the ones that still have not been fulfilled and you have authenticated them with signs as well, that we are not stupid and foolish for believing your prophecies because we know that you have given signs that they are true and particularly the sign of Jesus' resurrection from the dead. Lord, we thank you that we can examine the evidence that we have for Jesus' resurrection and see that it is indeed true and see that your warning about the judgment to come is indeed true and see that if we do what Jesus says and repent and believe in him, we can escape that judgment. Lord, we pray that everyone in this room has examined carefully the evidence for the resurrection and has heeded your warning about judgment and then has done what you have said and put their trust in you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.